You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness, because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face in fear, and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the most holy place. It's the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. <laughs> totally. So it flies over with a hot coal. And then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development, this time from another prophet, Ezekiel. 
And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? We don't know until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a, a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus's purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now. But where's this all heading? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. And this time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. Do we hunger for the holiness of God? Let's pray together as we open God's word this morning. Father God, you are holy, and that is good. It's terrifying and overwhelming and too much, and yet by the power and presence of Jesus, by the gift of your Holy Spirit, we can experience your holiness. Father, we want to draw near. We want to be fed. We want to be filled. Help us to hunger for the right things. Amen. Turn with me this morning to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 37 and 38 as we begin exploring this idea. Jesus says, well, on the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. The perfect and holy presence of God is given to us is alive in us. The power of the creator of the universe flowing through us, filling us, pouring out the source of life and hope and love and peace and joy, telling us he is with us, in us, for us. Is that where we find our source? Is that where we find our peace? Is that where we find our place? 
Is God enough? This morning we're continuing our journey looking at the power that sin can have in our lives and the desire that Jesus has for us to let His power work even more fully in us, bringing us healing and joy, forgiveness and freedom, new and abundant life, and more and more and more each day as we walk with Him, as we journey more deeply into that holiness of God He is leading us into. Our series is called Set Free. And that's the heart of what He wanted us to understand. We're looking at the seven deadly sins, this ancient idea that helps us see the different ways that sin can creep into our hearts, that we can stumble on our journey with Jesus and let our old selfishness creep back in, even as we know the joy and life that Jesus brings, the power of His holiness to transform These are important things for us to see, to understand, to be aware of. But as we said, they're not actually a real thing. The seven deadly sins are not an official list that God has given us. They're not seven specific things. They're just different parts of the same thing. Sin is just putting anything above God. Failing to live in humility and obedience and relationship and trust in God's goodness and righteousness and holiness. Sin is missing the mark, failing to align ourselves with that holiness of God, His perfect nature, and letting other things take hold of the place that only God should have in our lives as the center, as the source, as the sun in the middle of our solar system, providing that light and life. And so that's what we want to see. That's what we want to understand. How do we let sin in in these different ways? And how is Jesus inviting us to see that He is so much more? More powerful, more fulfilling, more wonderful, more incredible, more everything than anything we can take or make for ourselves, than anything we think we can find in sin. And that looks lots of different ways. It means lots of different things. And that's where this list of seven ideas helps us understand more deeply. Ideas like greed and gluttony and lust, pride and sloth and envy and wrath. These are all different parts of the way that sin has separated us from the love and purpose and life that God created us to know. They work themselves out in different ways and affect our lives in different ways. And we are each more susceptible to some of these than to others, but we have to see them. We have to understand ourselves and how we are tempted, how we are most vulnerable, and allow the power of Jesus and the truth of the gospel to speak life and healing over these things in our lives. And so last week we started with greed, probably one of the easiest ones for us to understand and acknowledge, just the power of money, but not just money, selfishness and fear. Being greedy with our time, 
with our skills, being greedy in relationship, trying to make ourselves okay by holding on to what we have as tightly as we can, building as big a pile as we can because we don't trust God to be enough, to provide enough. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to know that He is trustworthy. That not only is He enough, but in Him is an abundance of life that is so far beyond what we can know if we'll just believe and obey. It's a powerful truth. God has so much more in store for us as we embrace the power of the gospel in our lives and the depth of relationship and being known that Jesus desires for us in Him. This morning we're going to look at the second of these words, the power and the danger of gluttony, of overindulgence, of seeking satisfaction in anything else but Jesus. This is such an amazing word to have on this list and it's why this list and ideas like this are important because as we said like last week, some of these are pretty obvious to us. But some of them we wouldn't really think about and even as I said, some of these are harder for us than others. This might be one of the ones that some of us dismiss a little more easily. Well, I don't really eat too much. I've got this one handled. But the reality is in the West... We all eat way too much, and we drink way too much, and we eat garbage way too much, because it's easy and fun and delicious. <laughs> Maybe not to the extent we would call sinful, though, at least not all the time, but for some of us, food does have a huge hold on our lives, and it affects our health very seriously, and then, by extension, the way we are able to live and be present in the lives of others. We're limited in some ways. We can't go certain places because of weight or health problems brought on by an unhealthy diet. We can't do things with others in the way we wish we could. We're held back and limited because of our own choices and the consequences that come with them, and we begin to see here the cost of gluttony, as we fill ourselves and take away from others. But the reality is that gluttony is not just about food and eating. This idea of gluttony has huge meaning in our lives. It's about the way we spend all of our time and energy, and ultimately, it's about the way we find fulfillment. Do we find our fulfillment in relationship and connection with God? Or do we try to find it in other things? This is the heart of gluttony as it is for all of these things. Again, putting something over God. Looking for the thing that only He can give us in something else. In ourselves in money, in justice or revenge, in comfort and fulfillment, in food, in entertainment, in work, 
in relationships. God created us for himself. And in him is the only place that we will ever feel truly whole. And so when we try to look somewhere else, food, surfing the web, video games, sports, work, sex or relationships, TV, there will never be enough to fill the place in our soul that only God can fill. And so we need to consume more and more and more and more, thinking we're almost there. I'm almost full. I'm almost whole. I'm almost okay if I can just get a little more. But it's all ultimately empty. Because it will never be enough. It can never be enough when we were created for what only God can give us. And even more, not only is it not enough, but the joy and comfort and pleasure we were supposed to find in some of these things. Lots of these things are gifts that God has given to us. Relationship, even entertainment. God loves stories. God loves this way we just enjoy life. Food, all these things, these are gifts. And when we use them in this way, the gift is lost. Because we're using them to replace Him instead of finding joy in them with Him. Scripture is full of God's heart for us in this, His warnings and His call. And we got tons of Scripture that we're going to be walking through today. Psalm chapter 1, right at the beginning of the book, opens this way. It's amazing. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Psalm 119, with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Meditating on God's law day and night, delighting in the presence of God. It's like being a tree planted by streams of water. That is fulfillment. That is hope. That is life feasting on the presence of God, completely filled and provided for by Him. And then everything else falls into its proper place. Colossians chapter 3, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We are renewed made new, made different. We're not supposed to want the same things anymore. 
We're not supposed to find life anywhere else. You are raised with Christ and He is inviting you to see the heavenly things He has prepared for you. Paul carries on later in that chapter, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let the message and the presence of Jesus dwell richly among you. What an invitation. What a call. Is that what you hunger for in your life? Is that what you pursue, what you fill your time with, your mind with, your relationships with? It's what we were created for. And again, Paul talks about this a lot in his letters. It's almost like he's trying to tell us something. Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Ephesians 4. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. To put on the new self. Created in the likeness of God. And in true righteousness. And holiness. Romans chapter 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But of righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? That holy presence lives in us. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. He's trying so hard to help us see what God desires for us, the life that He desires for us, the things we should truly and deeply hunger for that only God can provide. And the psalmist cries out, Psalm 73, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is his portion. He needs nothing else. The Spirit sustains him, provides for him. And Jesus brought us the full, fullness and fulfillment of that promise and He told us the depth of life and fulfillment that we will find in Him that we can only find in Him. John 4, 
Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. John 15, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Over and over, Jesus tried to tell us. Tried to help us see that he is enough, that he is it. He is what we're looking for, searching for, hungering for. He has everything we need. His presence, his kingdom, his spirit, his word, his gospel, his way, his truth, his life. It's beautiful and wonderful and joyful and peaceful and abundant and rich. When that's true, how can we hunger for anything else? We'll sit and watch 18 different football games on track every stat on our fantasy team. Organize and prioritize our whole week so we don't miss a minute. We'll binge watch whole seasons or whole series for hours and hours. To find escape. To find comfort. We'll game for hours on end and find purpose and fulfillment in exploring a world of fantasy. We'll doom scroll endlessly through TikTok and Twitter and YouTube finding entertainment and just flat out wasting time. We'll obsess over fashion or food or decorating. We'll pour ourselves into work 80, 100 hours a week, more and more to feel more productive, more purposeful, to feel in control, to just feel. And none of it can give us what we need. None of it can give us what we're actually looking for. Endless hours spent in the pursuit of anything and everything. And how many minutes spent with God? The source of life. The sun in our universe. The source of creation. The source of our spirit. How many seconds? In prayer, in worship, in the Word, in connection with our Father. Hundreds and thousands of hours spent every, everywhere else. And what with God? 
And it's not about feeling guilty here even. It's about waking up. Opening our eyes to everything we're missing out on. Forget guilt. It's seeing the empty things we so gluttonously fill our lives with and instead becoming hungry for those good things. Because it's not even about pulling away from all these other things entirely. Forget that. They don't matter. They're fine, lots of them. To some extent, it's maybe reducing the amount we spend there. We need some discipline and some moderation. But God isn't somewhere else. He's in these things too. 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. He desires to be the source and the focus of everything we do. And He wants us to live life with Him, through Him, for Him. So He might take some of these things away and replace them if we truly submit. Or He might reduce them if we truly want to live with Him. But He wants us to submit it all to Him. To let Him realign our spirit with His to reshape our desires, our hungers for Him. Philippians chapter 3, join together. And following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Who are the people in your life that model this well? For as I have often told you, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Who are we following? Who is our model? But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies and minds so that they will be like Him. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. What is God speaking to you today? What have, how have you let your hungers pull you toward the wrong things? What is God revealing to you in your life where you find your fulfillment without Him? We have an amazing opportunity to step into these things. Tonight is our night of prayer and worship. And what incredible timing as God puts these things together. We plan and prepare. Pastor Scott and I kind of organize and schedule things, but we didn't line this up. Pastor Scott put this sermon series together weeks ago, and we've been trying to find a night that this would work, and this was kind of the night in this summer that was going to work best. But for them to fall together on this day, talking about hungering for the right things, for us to come together tonight, on this night we're talking about gluttony, where we find our source of fulfillment What an opportunity to come together to feast in the Spirit. 
to be fed by the Word, by worship, by the presence of the Spirit among the family of believers together to seek healing and forgiveness and to just be with our Father who loves us. What a gift and an opportunity that God has given to us to come into the presence of His holiness together in this special way to let Him Reset our desires. To fill us with a hunger for His Word and His presence and help us step forward on this journey into freedom and new life. By the power of the blood of Jesus and the hope held out in the gospel, we are set free. Free from the things of this world that consume our time and our energy and our life. And free to live in relationship and connection with God. Fully whole. Fulfilled. Overflowing with Him. Where do you find your fulfillment? Where do you find and seek your purpose? What fills your time, consumes your energy? What gives you life? Do you hunger for Him? Let's pray together. Father God, we come together this morning and I confess all the places that I find fulfillment outside of you all the places I hide from your holiness that burns the sin in my life and that I want to draw away from, it hurts. Father, you want to free us from those things, those hungers and desires that are unhealthy, that hurt us, that hurt relationship and our ability to be together, that hurt our ability to connect with you. You are the source of all life. You are the source and purpose of what we have been created to be. We are made for you and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. So God, we pray that you would fill us with that hunger for your spirit, for your presence. Fill us with that hunger for your word that we would meditate on it day and night, filling our minds with you. And God, as we come together tonight, we pray your blessing and your protection, your spirit over this place, that we would find healing here together, that we would give you that opportunity to speak and reset, that we would be driven to our knees, hungering for your presence, that as that happened, we would be filled with that spring of new life that overflows and is a blessing to the people around us. We thank you for the power of your spirit and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.